everyone, and welcome back to the Commonweal Theatre Podcast. After a brief hiatus from the podcast, we are returning with the long-standing members of the Commonweal, Stella and Adrian. They have been resident ensemble members since the early 2000s, and they bring us on the journey of how they started and where they are now. In this episode, we talk about finding a home at the Commonweal, the creation of the Ibsen Fest, and the hilarious mishaps that have happened along the way. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Today we are joined by two very special people who have been at the Commonweal for a while now. We have Adrian and Stella. Welcome! Okay, so we just want to talk about your guys' time here, how you found out about the Commonweal. I think it's a very interesting conversation because, you know, I mean, you did the internship, so you, you know, you kind of know the Commonweal for a bit, but I don't. Mm. I, I haven't. So sure. So this will be fun. So first, how did you guys find out about the Commonweal? When did you guys get here? What's your story? Well, I knew about the Commonweal before I worked here because the Commonweal used to have a relationship with Luther College where some of the um, resident ensemble members actually were professors at Luther. Mm-hmm. And so Hal, our artistic director, was one of my many um, professors in the theater dance department. Um, and his wife at the time was as well, as well as a few other people who are no longer here at the Commonweal. So that's where I first met and got to know a bit about the Commonweal. Um, and actually, I, I kind of give credit to Hal slash blame Hal for me going into theater <laughs> professionally. Because <laughs> my very first year of college, I, was, I studied music and theater the whole time. But my very first year, I, I thought I was more music geared. And then I took a, um, a play reading class with Hal, and I really got more and more excited about theater. So... That's why I say I give credit wow. to Hal and kind of blame him as well. For being a starving artist. <laughs> for being for, for pushing me into the starving artist lifestyle. Yes, exactly. I um I was a actor up in the Twin Cities and I remember reading the Star Tribune a million years ago did a really great story on the Commonweal and Lanesboro, and I really didn't know anything about it at all, Um, but um, I was getting ready to go to grad school, or I was applying for grad school, and a friend at the time was like, okay, why do you want to do this? Like, why do you want to take on all this debt and pause your life for three years? And at the time, I had a, I was a marketing undergrad major, and I had a good job in marketing, and I was doing theater, like, on the side, and I said, I really want to do theater full-time, and I want to work. He's, he said, well, what do you want to do when you're done? I said, I want to work for a company. I want to like be an ensemble member where I can do a little bit of everything. And I didn't even know like this theater and the model existed, so I was just, I, I always like to say, like, I, I made it happen <laughs> for myself with the power of my intention. I was like, I really want to work for a company that has a resident ensemble where I can do a little bit of everything. Um, off I went to grad school, and then shortly after I got back from grad school, I was just doing the audition circuit, and I auditioned for Commonweal. They used to, well, they still do hold 
auditions every year up in the Twin Cities, and um, the second time I auditioned for them, I got a part, and I came down, and then I got two more parts, and then it was 25 years later, 23 years later, <laughs> and here you are. The rest wow. is history. And the rest the is, rest history. is history. history. It is history, for sure. For so, sure. like, how did you feel when you got here, and you found out that you could do theater and marketing for the same job? Uh, this is the this is the lamest answer, and I think that people think I'm making it up. I had never been down here. I'm driving down to rehearse in Ibsen the first week of January, and I am coming down that hill on Highway 8, and a voice in my head said, you are home. And that was a bit of a problem because I had a home and a husband back up in the Twin Cities. So that was a little tough. Um, and but it just—it was this feeling of being uh, like just being dumped in the place that I knew I was supposed to be. And then when I got here and saw what everybody was doing, I was like, "Is this for real? Did I make this up? Have I been hit on the head?" It, it, you know, and it just gave me the opportunity to do everything. I wanted to do and be a part of a community um, like Lanesboro and the surrounding region. It just, it was exactly what I wanted. So I kept pinching myself like, this is really? Okay, sure, great. <laughs> so you're not gonna give me credit for you staying because I was Adrian's first stage manager. <gasps> yes, it was all Stella. It was all Stella. What did you, were you stage managing? Okay, so, I, so I got here about, about half a year before you, and it was it was the Ibsen that we did that rehearsed at Luther first. Was Remember, it was during the J-term. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, and that's also when, that. that's also the same month I met Scott, and all the magic happened. Wow. Yeah, because Scotty and myself and Mark Bear, who directed Jekyll and Hyde, and Ben Gorman, who uh, was here forever, we all started the same year. We're like the freshman no class. Way. We all started together. Yep. Mark was a couple months before me, I think. Well, he was, Mark actually was, predates me just a little bit because I came in, so I can't remember, it was about a year and a half or so after I graduated from Luther. Um, I reached out to Hal and just said, hey, I'm available. I'd love to come audition for you guys. And it, I don't remember the exact words, but basically it was like, oh, actually, could you come right now? <laughs> like, literally. And I was like, I don't, wait, what? He said, well, um, we just had a stage manager who can't finish their contract. Can you come and, and run the show? And I was like, sure. <laughs> so I literally got here. The reason I mentioned Mark Bear is for a show that Mark was in that was literally going into Tech Week. So I walked oh, in and started oh, Tech Week. Oh, no. Yeah. And so that I, is I, a nightmare. I took on the stage manager. So that was in, I think, May. What was the show? Um, most Valuable Player, oh, the Jackie gosh. Robinson yeah. story. Yep. And then after being here, so I got here and I hadn't been here very long. And then Hal came to me again and said, so we're doing these other two shows this summer. And the young person who was supposed to do these two roles just decided that she can't do them. And we start rehearsal in two weeks. And so I literally walked into a dream. I went, great, got a professional gig. Here we go. Mm -hmm. um, and so that That's was exactly what he did to me. He called me on December twenty. <laughs> he called me on December twenty second, and he said, "Do you want to be in Enemy of the People?" And I and I was like, "Okay, well, let me think about it." And he said, "I think they started rehearsals on January eighth. This was December twenty second. And I said, "Well, can I think about it?" And his, you know, he thinks he's so clever. He's like, 
If the answer is yes, you can take as long as you want. If the answer is no, can you let me know by tomorrow? And I'm like, you're funny. Um, <laughs> and but of and somebody had uh, somebody had not was not able to get out of a previous contract, mm-hmm. so couldn't do enemy to people. And so I just you know I don't even think it was I don't even think it was a full two weeks before. I got the offer, and then I was in the car on the way down. And I didn't know this at the time. What I've, I've learned for over 20 years being in professional theater, um, that that's actually pretty common. That yeah. happens quite a lot. Yeah. People get roles just mm-hmm. kind of on a fluke. Just you happen to be available, and it yeah. just works mm-hmm. out. And um, for me and for Adrian, it worked out really yeah. well. Wow. I came here, and then so I'd been here about, I don't know, seven, eight months, and we started this rehearsal process for the Ibsen, and that's also when Scott, my husband, came, and we met and became good friends, and then that turned into more... Um, and so we, kind of a long story short, we've, we built our lives here because of yeah. the Commonwealth. I yeah. mean, really, and, and, and Adrian too, you know, the yeah. different paths to, to get to where we are today, but. Um, All roads lead to Lanesboro. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it was so funny because when my, when my family, because I was born and raised in South Philadelphia, and when my family came out here for the first time, they were like, it's, it's so small. It's so, so small. small. And you remember Carla's parents when they brought her down, they got lost in Wayland, and they thought Wayland was Lanesboro. And they were, she's from Chicago, and they're like, "We're not leaving you here. We're not leaving. There's nobody on the streets. We're not leaving you here." Or the people, you know, on the phone. You know, if you're talking to someone on the phone and they've never been here before, and I don't know if it's an interviewer or something, and they say, "Well, so what's the population?" You say, "750." And they, I think sometimes, sometimes I think that you mean 750,000 or 750 million. No, no, literally 750, 750 people. And when we were in Norway, that was what we were having a conversation with the, I think it was like the Minister of Culture and somebody who ran the Ibsen Festival at the Oslo Center at the theater. And so there's a language barrier. They speak English. We don't speak Norwegian, but Mm -hmm. they, English is not their first language and you know we're talking about how we're the only company in the United States that does an Ibsen every year and in this town and it's cultural and she said well what is the population and we said 750 and she's like oh that's that's like Oslo and we were like no 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 <laughs> 750 not, not like Oslo. period not comma zero 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 <laughs> just just period um so yeah so it's um it's crazy what how much opportunity we have in such a small town yeah Yeah. so is there a moment that comes to mind where maybe it was one of the first times that you thought you would stay at the common wheel for an extended period of time or was it kind of something that you gradually settled into Hmm. Uh, that's a great question I don't know that I can answer that one quickly I know a huge part of it for me was meeting Scott here and we really we met here, we became friends here, we, we started a relationship here, we got married here, and then we built a family, we had a home here. So it's all, it's so connected to that for mm-hmm. me that I don't know if there was an exact point that I could say, oh, it was this moment. Um, I do know that um, in addition to Hal, uh, the founder of the company, Eric Bungie, um, is a dear, dear friend of mine, and I was actually a nanny for his family years and years ago, and so I was back and forth between the Commonwealth and the St. Paul area, doing a little bit of both, um, and Eric was just so good about working things out and, and helping me do what I loved artistically, um, but also working with his family, and so it, because because of that, it just it really became, I really felt a part of a family, um, of course with Eric's family, but then also the Commonwealth family as well, and I think that's, I think for me that's a huge, a huge reason why I 
continue to be here is, is the Commonwealth family, the people who work here, but also the people who support our patrons, who support the theater. I mean, we always say, you know, the Commonwealth is a giant extended family, but in many ways it really is true, right? Like, obviously they're not blood relations, but family we choose, right? There's so many people who feel um, so passionately about what we do at the Commonwealth, and it just, it feels really amazing to feel supported and like something, and to be a part of something bigger and larger than I could ever be on my own. So that's not a direct answer to your question, but kind of all, all that put is. together. Yeah, yeah. All that it's put like together. A rolling, it was a rolling thing. For me, my first marriage was struggling, and uh, I didn't know where I was going to go, <coughs> what I was going to do. And again, Eric was like, well, we need, we need, we, he said, I think we can make this Ibsen situation kind of more than what it is. And he said, you will have full-time, temporary, six-month job trying to make it into something. And I was like, yes, because I don't have any other job or anywhere to live. So, um, <laughs> and, and when you said Ibsen thing, we're not talking about just doing the plays. We're talking about the, the Ibsen Festival. Nice. Festival. Yeah. The, the week, week, weekend long uh, festival. So, and I, and then from that, it just, yeah, it just went, started, it's a rolling thing. And then it gets, you grow roots, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, what you just said about the opportunities, I think is so important as well, because yeah. I, I think, I believe we still do a good job of this. I feel that I've been giving a lot of opportunities to try new things that yes. I've never done before as an artist, um, because there's a level of trust. Um, and sometimes, to be honest, sometimes it comes out of necessity, right? Like, oh, we need yeah. somebody to do this job, so hey, you're it. Um, but they're trusting me to figure it out. Yeah. And that's actually really exciting, and I feel like that's helped me grow so much since I've come here and has really been an integral part of what what makes me feel so, um, oh, what is the word? I can't think of the right word. Part of the family, <laughs> you know? Uh, enmeshed, enmeshed, connected, yeah, yeah, connected. Yeah, in the best way, yeah. So what were your guys' like official roles when you became a resident ensemble member? Oh, first, I don't remember. I was um, the Ibsen Festival coordinator and then uh, on the marketing team and then, um, I forget when I became the marketing director, the director of marketing, but that kind of that kind of grew. And, and but the first one was it's a mm -hmm. festival coordinator. I can't remember if I was company manager first or box ups manager first because they happened. I think you were company manager. I think I was company manager yeah. first, and then yeah, yes, I was. Because yeah. then I and then and then I was gone for a while because I had a baby right. and I wanted to be at home as much as I possibly could. And then when I came back, I came into box office management. Yeah. Um, and now I'm back as the company manager, which is different than it was 13 years but you're ago. You're the director of administration. Yeah, it's a little bit different, yeah. but it's it's still got a lot of similarities. A lot of similarities. And I still do a lot of patron relationship type yeah. things too. Even though I'm not the box office mm -hmm. manager, I'm still the patron relations manager. So, and I think that is important for the company and for me, to be honest, um, because I have a lot of connections to patrons, I have a history, and so that really is helpful to have mm -hmm. that connection to people. So you mentioned a little bit of how you've grown in the company and how like in one of your areas it's been learning that people are entrusting you with something and, and that's encouraging to you. Adrian, is there something that you think kind of pops out as an area of growth that you've you've seen yourself step into. Well, I think overall artistic 
oversight is something that I really have um, grown into and also have been given a great deal of, um, of freedom in that regard. And so now, you know, having the ability to direct um, and knowing that, I mean, I was terrified the first show I ever directed, which coincidentally is the straight play version of She Loves Me, oh, which is playing now at the Commonwealth. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I, and, I, and I was terrified. And just having all of the people who I already had uh, relationships with, I already had vocabulary with, I already had, and I could ask any questions of, and, and people would come in and watch the show and give me feedback. And so I think um, for me, that, that broader scope of artistic um, oversight and artistic vision has, has really been a very, very um, uh, fulfilling part of my growth here for sure for absolute sure mm -hmm. yeah yeah so uh, how is parfumery different in a musical version or is it pretty similar <laughs> the story is very similar um parfum it's very very similar um can i share a really kind of cool yeah, uh, yeah. connection i made today um so the original novak was the your original novak, novak. George was Scott. Was Scott, my husband. And the reason I don't remember a whole lot about parfumery was because I was at home with a less than one-year-old. Mm -hmm. And I realized today when Josiah was reading through the role that Josiah is playing the role that Scott did in the musical, <gasps> and he has two oh. small children. Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool! Like, I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. So some really, really neat connections. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I mean, the story is very much the same. Um, and... I've always loved this story. I mean, Shop Around the Corner is probably my favorite, one of my favorite holiday films. Um, and so I I stalked this script. I stalked the script of Parfumery. <laughs> because when I found out there was a script, I started like calling the agent. Because like, it's hard to get a good translation or something, is it, isn't it? Well, it's impossible to get a good translation. But I remember she was like, oh, it's a planned Broadway. There's, It's going to Broadway. It's going to Broadway. I called once a year for five or six years, and she finally was like, yeah, just take it. Do it. You can do it. It's not going to Broadway. Do the show. Um, and it is very tough because it was translated from Hungarian. It was originally written in Hungarian, and it was translated, and it was stilted and needed um, a lot of attention and focus. But it's still the same super sweet love story. Nobody broke out into song, though. Nobody broke out. <laughs> There's a big difference, no. right? There's a big difference, yes. There will be no, there was no singing, there was no dancing. <laughs> so what was the progression of you getting to director of marketing and associate artistic director? Well, I was always on the marketing team um, because I have that background. I brought mm -hmm. that background with me. I was a, a, a marketing professionally for uh, years before I got to the Commonweal, and I was also a graphic designer and so when I got here, I started doing a lot of the design work on the marketing team. So I was sitting on the marketing team as the person who did the, the design work and then uh, the IPSA festival. I can't quite remember exactly when. I know it was, I know I was director of marketing when we moved into this building or I was, it, that happened almost simultaneously. 
but I'll be honest, I can't remember um, pre-2007, I think it was. Well, here's the real deal about you guys at the Common Well, is if we find out that you're good at something, you just got yourself a job. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that has a lot yeah. to do with how you became yeah. the marketing director. Exactly. You were really good yeah. at it. I know Eric had a lot to do with that as well. Mm-hmm. Eric Bundy oh, absolutely. really recognized yeah. that in you. And, and, um, and he and I worked really well together as partners. He was a managing director at the time, mm-hmm. and we worked really well together as uh, like a management team. And then the associate artistic director, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was probably just because of that, that whole, you know, we have the artistic oversight team, the the show monitors and the producer's eye, and I think um, when, I know when Steph became the managing director, I became the associate artistic director, okay. but I can't recall the rationale behind that. Mm-hmm. Probably just because we really needed to expand the leadership team. Yeah. yeah. And kind of start spreading that, that makes tasks sense. and responsibilities of, around. A lot of, I mean, there's obviously a lot of things that have changed since I got yeah. here in 2000. Um, but for one thing, like the, literally the size of the company yeah. is just, yeah, it's, I'm sure. it's so different. We're in a totally, you know, this building opened in 2007. Before that, we're at the St. Main, which is a really fun space for a lot of different reasons, but a very different, very different way of producing theater. The um, sold out show was 126. Yeah. And so when we moved in here, it was like, wow. wow, we have this amazing space, but now we have to be able to use it for its to its full capacity, yeah. right? <laughs> which means more people working here yeah. and new jobs and, and yeah and growth. Yeah, and those are yeah. big changes big that changes. you guys have seen. Humongous changes, yeah, right. yeah, really huge. Do you think that, are there standout values that the Commonweal has held throughout the years, or are there ones that kind of have been grown into more? Like, for example, the patron relations philosophy, has that always been there, or... Is that something or like that, I will hold you up? Right. I will hold you up. It's been around forever. That's pre me. As far as I know, I will hold you up has been around forever. Someone who's been here longer than Adrian and I would have to ask. Yeah, I will hold you up as pre me. The patron relations philosophy is my thing. I, mm-hmm. I instituted that when I became director of marketing. Um, and that is actually really based out of a, a nonprofit bloggers that I was following um, and sure. you know recognizing the fact that you know as a marketing as a marketing person in theater your job is to recognize and overcome the hurdles that stand between somebody sitting in their living room and somebody sitting in your theater and then what are those hurdles and overcoming those and mm-hmm. uh, recognizing that they don't have to be here um, and so making sure and you know what are some of the hurdles people feel intimidated People don't know what to wear. People don't know. Like, I'll never forget a woman came up to me. Um, she had never seen Ibsen before, and she was in line, which I thought was incredibly courageous just to begin with, right? Because you don't know what you're getting into. And she said, well, well am I going to understand this? And I said, oh, it's in English for sure. And she said, no, no. Is it is it like is it like Shakespeare with the these and the thous and the those? And I said, oh, no, that's a great question. You know, it's a contemporary adaptation uh, that we've commissioned. But I thought, she just walked in the door to see Ibsen not knowing whether she was going to quote-unquote understand it or not. What? Again, and she gave us money. And I just thought that was so so inspiring to Mm -hmm. me. It's like, 
okay, so it's our job to make sure that everything that we can control, that is within our control, is is geared to giving our patrons the best mm-hmm. experience, mm-hmm. you know, and that goes to cleaning the bathrooms four times a shift and making sure that we have blankets in case it's cold. It's just really, really important to me. And it was in 2008 because I remember Carl Lindbergh, uh, who was an, underst- um, an apprentice that year, because I was working on the patient relations philosophy and I came up with the, uh, you know. That was our first class. That was our first apprentice yeah, class. Yeah, second. Second. It was a second, yeah, because it was Carl and Tim and Sheldon and Andy Bakehouse. And I said, you know, I want people to feel like Commonwealths are home away from home. And Carl was like, well, I was a manager at Starbucks, and that's ex- Starbucks is your third home. It's work, it's home, work, Starbucks. That's their philosophy. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that can't be that corny because they're pretty, <laughs> they're successful, they're no hacks. So that's how I got, that's like the, my marketing, that's my marketing trajectory, so. Sure. Yeah. Anything comes to mind for you, Stella? Can you repeat the question? <laughs> I'm so fascinated listening to her. Yes. I don't know what we're talking about. Great. <laughs> now you're going to repeat the question. It's going to be like Adrian did not answer that question. <laughs> um, the question is, what are overarching values that the Commonweal has had throughout the years, or what are some that you have noticed being developed recently? I just I continue to see the connections with people, connections with people and growth. And I don't just mean connections and growth within the company members, which definitely happens a lot, but the growth and the development of our audience as well. Um, growing in size, of course, but also the growth of somebody who... You know, maybe they're more interested in singing a comedy, but they had an opportunity to come see Ibsen or mm-hmm. another play that's not funny, and they came out of that going, whoa, I really got something amazing out of that. Mm-hmm. And so they've moved forward, you know, they're, they're growing within that. Um, and I think that that comes from a level of trust we have with our audiences as well, mm-hmm. that they trust us to do good work, to... Um, to, to do honest and good work and really, really tell the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's and our mission, right? And that's our yeah. mission is to, to tell actor-based storytelling. It doesn't mean that we don't have lights and costumes, but it does mean that the story, ultimately theater is storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how we learn from each other and connect with each other. And I think that that's what our audiences recognize and see. And I think that's what keeps bringing people back. Um, and so far as something new, I've been so honored to be a part of the theater, I would say the last five, six, seven years as um, more and more, the apprentice program, as the apprentice program grows and more and more, I hesitate to use the term young people, but young artists like yourselves come in and and challenge us with um, ideas that we would not otherwise necessarily uh, have access to like philosophies Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so our core values and our guiding principles they're things that are relatively new I mean in the grand scheme I'm they're five six seven years old but they're constantly evolving and that to me is what I think is so special about the Commonweal is that nobody is sitting there saying this is how we do it because this is how we've always done it and this is how it's going to be it's like we are constantly Mm -hmm. Uh, everybody I feel is open to new ideas to new and to being challenged 
And that's hard sometimes, you know. It's like knowing, like, that this will work, but then trying to integrate something that we've not done before mm-hmm. uh, in a way that is also, we set it, we set it up for success. So we're not like, yeah, we'll try that, and then like backing about or flailing our arms and saying, oh, well, that failed. Mm-hmm. So I think, and I think that's part of, um, I think that's part of what Hal brings to the picture as uh, the overarching leader or the overarching leader is that wanting continual growth, mm-hmm. wanting continual learning, wanting continual experimentation and expanding of our values. And we see that, you know, we see that with our anti-racism committee. We see that with all the work we're doing um, with our, our restroom policy. We see that with, um, you know, just... Evaluate we, the way we evaluate work-life balance. The way we evaluate our work, mm-hmm. even, you know, work-life balance. And just, you know, evaluating that, you know, that whole... Uh, and this may be going down a, a track we weren't expecting, but... You know, after Black Lives Matter in the summer of racial reckoning in 2020, recognizing the the things that we held up as core values being really embedded or 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 rooted in white supremacy, white supremacy culture, perfectionism and and urgency, urgency. and uh, and so like whoa, you know, it took it took everybody by surprise, and and yet we're a part of a community where we let we give each other and ourselves the the grace I want to say the grace and the space to move forward and so there's not a lot of finger wagging there's not a lot of well we've always done it this way we're we're able Hal uses the word nimble and I really like that it's like we're nimble and we're able to continue to grow and evolve and think that that is really part and parcel of how we've gotten to be where we are now. Yeah, not only are you doing those things within the company, but also you're sharing that with patrons, like, through the reading series. Yes. And, yes. I mean, yes. we, we recently just had this reading of The Perfect Arrangement, uh, which is about two couples in the 1950s who are gay and lesbian and they are hiding from the world and it's I think the reading was so successful because there were people in the audience like Mm -hmm. for example my dad came and after the show he said to me he was like I've never thought about it in that way I've never put myself Mm. into those people's experiences in the way that he was able to see with the perfect arrangement. And so I think that's just... Yeah. That's really profound. I mean, yeah, that's, it is. Talk about changing lives one right. at a time. You know, your, your dad is a perfect example yeah. of, of learning something that he didn't know before. And there were a number of same-sex couples in the mm-hmm. theater, and I was sitting way in the back, and I was so heartened. I'm like, oh, we're telling their story. They they get to see themselves on stage right now. Um, and that... And one of the one of the couples mentioned that at the, yeah. at the mm-hmm. post-show discussion. And it's just... Yeah, to keep to keep growing and changing, it's it's essential. It's risky, not really. I mean, it shouldn't be. But like, if you look at some of the other, like the big theaters around, you're not seeing right. a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was telling people this after the reading. Like, it was so healing mm-hmm. to see, like, and 
an older group, like say to a theater, like you need to use this story to educate people. And like yeah. the fact that those are the words that they used, it was just like, yeah, <sighs> yeah, yeah. It was great. It was a great experience. Mm-hmm. It really was. And you know, and just having like the the play reading series. You know, Josiah came to us and said, "I'm really interested." Josiah's on the marketing team, and Josiah said, "I I love being on the marketing team." But I really would love to also be the literary manager, and I would love to institute a play reading series. And we were like, okay, have fun. That's great. And he was like, uh, that's it? I'm like, yeah, you should probably write something up, <laughs> like maybe a proposal. But, yeah, I mean, this is a place where we, we have the freedom and the flexibility to do things like that yeah. and are encouraged to do things like that. It's inspiring, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's it's so because like one of the things that I've grappled with for so long is when I was younger specifically was that like I like a family is so important to me mm-hmm. and like I just never saw it that way with theater. But like mm-hmm. coming to Lanesboro and coming to the Commonweal, like it has just been so reassuring that you can do theater full time and fulfill your personal life as well yeah yeah and that really is I mean for a lot of the, for a lot of a lot of different things about Commonwealth are true when it comes to them I think yeah the 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 model that we use the artist administrator is yeah. what makes a lot of that right because yeah. I'm not just an actor or just a music director or just anything I'm an actor but I'm also the director of administration Adrian is an actor and a director but she's also the director of marketing and the associate artistic director you know there's there's buy-in I think to the company in ways that there maybe wouldn't be if you were just an actor or just right. designer. I'm saying that in quotes, of course, because I'm not belittling any of those positions. Um, but it's true. I mean, we all we all want this company to do as as well as it possibly could and possibly can, and so we work our tails off on all aspects of our jobs, trying to keep it growing and keeping it yeah. connected. Because, like you say, because those kind of connections. Be, are part of all of us and happen because of that, I think. And we really have become, I hope, I think, an integral part of our patrons' lives as well, especially our long-term, long-time patrons, our MGC members, our season pass holders, and um, just thinking about how how many of them are our personal friends. Mm-hmm. You know, we go to their homes for dinner and, you know, we send birthday cards and get birthday cards. Well, I was even just thinking when you said that about how, I hadn't really thought about this until right now, how many patrons I've known for a long time and then since I've been here, some of them, quite a few actually have passed away, which is sad, but it's also part of life, right? I mean, people get older and whatnot. Um, but how amazing that is and, and to meet new people who become part of the Commonwealth mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and keep coming back over and over and over again. And That's how many really babies are out there with common wheel onesies? Right? <laughs> yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, yep. oh I need way. to order some more, but there are a lot of babies with common wheel onesies. We special order them on occasion. <laughs> special babies. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Literally, just like the amount of people when I'm working at the cottage house, and they're like, I recognize you from the apprentice video. Are you an apprentice? Isn't that cool? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's just, it's wild. Or like the amount of programs I pick up at the cottage house. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Bring them back. Oh, that's wonderful. This has yeah. been such a great talk that yeah. we've had. Yeah. Thank yeah. you guys. Are there yeah. any, like, 
these silly stories that you oh think of to wrap oh, up. Oh, don't get us started. Oh, not okay, can that. I tell police? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this because this is Adrian and Stella, there are the million stories, but um, one of the things we always, I one of the things that I think is hilarious is when somebody goes up on stage or, like, and it, and, and they forget their so lines. Everyone a... deals with forgotten lines differently. Okay, let's be blunt here. Everybody does. Um, and so there some was the people one time... deal with it really well, and whatever comes out of their mouth makes sense, and other people, I might be one of them, sometimes <laughs> just... just tend to blather on and on and make stuff up, and I go, I have no idea what I just said. So one night, I, we were doing Hedda, and Scotty... Wait, Oh, I'm going to tell you oh, a story in a second, sure. but we're doing Hedda Gabler. Can we pause real quick? Who were you in Hedda? I was a Hedda. And Scott, Stella's uh, husband, uh, was... What's, what's his name? Oh, my gosh. Torvald. My husband. My, oh, okay. my, uh -huh. for my okay. husband. That's a different answer. Um, so that's a different answer, right? So I'm all the way downstage, far downstage right, and Scott's all the way far upstage left. And there's this silence that comes over the room, and I'm thinking to myself... Oh no, poor Scott must have forgotten his line. <laughs> and I turn and I look, and the minute I make eye contact with Scott, I'm like, oh my god, it's my line, and I have no idea what to say. And Scott was like, Hedda, I think you mean to say, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, Head Tessmon. I was like, that is it, Tessmon. That is, that is exactly what. How did you know? How did you know? Get out of my head, Tessmon. <laughs> Then there was a time when Stella and I were in the Steel first Magnolias. The first time we did Steel Magnolias, Magnolias at the St. Main. And I understudied two different roles. But then you went on. You took over the role. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So which one was it that I was on? For? You were Truly. No, no, no. No, you were now, 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 now. You were now. Right, I was a now. That's right, because I was Shelby as an understudy, and I was a now for the end part of the run. And our dear Amanda uh, Rayfuse, who directed, at the time. Um, directed Burn Her Hamlet, and she was playing Truby, and I don't remember where your line was, but all know. you kept saying was, about the and the police came, and the police came, and the police checked my car, and the police, <laughs> the police checked my car. I can't remember what the actual story not. was, but it was something about the, something <laughs> about the police. And finally I remember Amanda in character with me going, and she said, and what did the police say? <laughs> <laughs> so there are the stories that we all have. Uh, there was a time when Hal missed an entrance because he was wait, watching. Wait, I'm sorry. Here we are. This is, this is being recorded, so I know this is going to come back to haunt me because Hal yes. listened to this. But that one time
Scott fell and lost his shoe on stage. Uh, or how about during, I think it was a tech week for the first time we did Sanders Family Christmas with the same name. Oh <laughs> the lights went out and we just hear this. What's that but first of all, it was, it was like. Ow. Ow. <laughs> and we hear Scott go, oh, it's a pull door. He's <laughs> <laughs> trying to push oh his way gosh. through. And the whole set was like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they never. We have never-ending piles. We could things. actually. We could dedicate a podcast. We could dedicate a podcast. Oh my gosh, to that could be like January, January, uh-huh. like bloopers. The the the, 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 the moments. The mishaps. The mishaps and mayhem. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, we all have them. Of course, we'd sure. just be talking for like half an hour over about how. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You well, know then there is also talk amongst yourselves. Just talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I was playing the doctor in uh, Dracula, and he was supposed to bring on the crucial prop. It was like the crucifix, right? <laughs> I mean, the only reason for him to be in the scene was to bring on the crucifix. And he, he gets off, and he's I'm just looking at his pockets. <laughs> and he literally Talk amongst yourselves. And then he left, and then he left the stage to go get it. And Stella and Scott were in the audience. Uh, See, I was like, I know I'm on chemo, but did he just say talk about it? <laughs> he did, he did. And I was like crying because I was like in the second row and I didn't want to laugh because I knew most of the audience didn't understand, but I was literally like, I couldn't hold it. I had tears just streaming down my face. Oh I was like, don't my laugh, God. don't laugh, don't laugh. <laughs> yep, yep, That's we get plenty of those, plenty of those. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> we need to pencil in this. <laughs> Bloopers uh, and mishaps, mayhem and mishaps. I'm sure that others would have, if we were to do a podcast like this, that would be interesting because people have different perspectives on how it happened oh, and why. Oh, yeah, yeah. How's always have like a trial? Like, <laughs> oh, that's great! I love that. The trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the other day when I to hell, I was like, I heard you're an asshole when it comes to props. And he was like, I'm not an asshole, and you were like, Yes, yeah, totally. <laughs> Has it, did you guys are in rehearsal today? Did he ask for a pocket watch yet? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it I won't be long before he asks for a pocket watch. He yep. did use he did use the liquid you at least twice. When was that? <laughs> <laughs> he knows we give him like total shit, so this isn't like we're not like you know picking at him. Totally shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'll oh listen God. and find out, and then you might hear about it. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Yeah. All right, now I do want, I think we should take bets as to when Hal officially asks for the pocket watch. Ooh. It's got to go, it's got to be as soon as do you think, well, the staging let's starts. Yep, because Marichek could justify it, because he's got to keep tabs on all his employees coming uh-huh. behind, right? How can always justify a pocket watch? I mean, he, he'd be able to justify it when he walks on stage. Yeah. <laughs> In yeah. my opening number. <laughs> so I'm telling you, as soon as he gets on his feet, that pocket watch is too <laughs> is coming through. <laughs> this isn't coming out till November, right? Yeah. Okay, great. The so the show will already show Okay, friends, if you're listening, you too can get in on this. <laughs> when did Hal ask for the pocket watch? <laughs> That'll be the follow-up. Yeah, we'll update. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you everyone for tuning in to this episode. It was so much fun. Thank you, friends. Yes. Thank you. Woo! Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening. Our next episode will be with our 2024 Apprentice class. If you have topics you'd like to hear about or suggestions and feedback, shoot us an email at josie at commonwealtheater.org or synth.gonzalez at commonwealtheater.org. We release episodes bi-weekly and you can listen to them on Spotify, Red Circle, or commonwealtheater.org. See you next time. Thank you.